And good afternoon, everybody. My name's Sarah. I am soon to be a team vicar. That's exciting, isn't it? With special responsibility for Top Church. And I don't, we don't know what that means, do we? But it's very special. So that's nice. We're, yeah, we're all special, Esther. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. But it's very nice to see you. And I'm glad you made it out through the rain. When I left my house, I thought, oh, I don't know about this. Don't know if I'm going to church. So I'm impressed that you all have. Now, today we are looking at the beloved disciple. There you go. I didn't ask John to put that up. He just put that up because of me, you know. (laughs) So we are looking at the beloved disciple today. And we're going to come to the readings in just a minute because I know you're all itching for them. But first of all, as we're thinking about this beloved disciple, I've been thinking about nicknames. Now... There we go, Smithy, yeah, classic. Um, I love a good nickname. I don't know if you've got any good nicknames, but we're about to find out. So what I'm going to suggest is for literally 30 seconds, don't get too excited, for 30 seconds only, turn to the person next to you. Or if you're Nathan, just have a little think by yourself. He's not got anyone around him. (laughs) So turn to the person next to you and have a little chat about nicknames that you've had. So, has anybody got a nickname that they would like to share? The more embarrassing, the better, obviously. Are there any good nicknames? At school, I was called the French farter. (laughs) Good. The French farter, you got nervous in French. Yeah. And you're you're volunteering that right now. That's... (laughs) That's lovely. That's, that's nice. <laughs> Nobody speak French to Caleb. <laughs> Is there anybody else who's got a nickname they want to share? Go on, John. Sniff. Oh, pointy nose. Very good, very good. Now, when I was young, my dad used to call me Bruce. I've got no idea why. You know, sometimes like when when children are born and they sort of develop a nickname and they grow up with it and it doesn't ever go away. I was called Bruce, um, and I don't know where it came from. And (laughs) (laughs) that's all that James can think of now. and I think I, I got really annoyed with it because as I grew up, I realized this was not a normal name to have as a little girl. And I was not happy. And we had a family meeting as, as we did. So the four of us got together, my parents, me and my brother. And we sat down and I aired that I was not happy being called Bruce anymore. My name is Sarah and I want to be called Sarah. Um, and so my mum said, OK, we're all going to go around the room and we're going to say what we would like to be called. Um, <laughs> So I said Sarah, and then it came to my brother. My brother's name is Robert. We called him Rob. He didn't particularly have a nickname at the time. And I don't know what got into him at that moment, but he just went, I want to be known as Bobalecka, Bobalecka, Bobalecka Fudd. (laughs) I mean, who knows what was going on in the mind of my brother at that moment. And obviously we all burst out laughing because that is ridiculous. Um, But it did work. We called him Bobalecka for a while, and still occasionally do, actually. Um, But I don't know if you've ever known anybody try and give themselves their own nickname. It's great. I love it. Love it when you try and give yourself your own nickname. It doesn't really work very often, does it? But here, this is what we have. We have John giving himself his own nickname. So he becomes known as the beloved disciple. And we are going to have a couple of readings that show us that, that he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. So Melissa is going to come and read for us. Thank you. 
After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at the loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple who Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Thanks, Melissa. There you go. Did you catch it? The disciple whom Jesus loved. Those are two of the readings. There are a few more. I didn't didn't want to go through all of them. Um, But he calls himself this, and it's believed widely that it is John that he's referring to. He's referring to himself. The writer of the gospel is calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I bet Thomas is kicking himself. Do you remember last week we looked at Doubting Thomas? I bet he's thinking, I didn't know you could give yourself a nickname. I'd have gone better than that. But this is what John calls himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And there you go. That's, uh, that's one of the things I wonder, <laughs> because it's almost like he's going, do you know what? Jesus really loves me. I'm not that keen, but he loves me. And that's like me in some, some of my friendships. Claire's in the room somewhere, actually, but that, that is very much like me. If I, someone hugs me, I'm like, ooh, you know, I'm like a bored, but... Is it that? Is he going, Jesus really, really loves me, but, you know, whatever, I'm cool with it, it's fine. Is he kind of playing it cool? Is that what he's doing? Is he implying that Jesus doesn't love the other disciples as much? Is that what he's saying? Is he saying that other disciples aren't as good? He doesn't love them as much? I'm clearly better? Is that what it's about? You know, I I could say there are a number of vicars in top church, but... I'm the one Jesus loves. I'm not the, the special one, yeah. The one with special responsibility, yeah. <laughs> Is it like an arrogance? Is he being really arrogant? Is that what he's getting at? Or is he just assured of himself? Do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that, is there? But we don't really like people that are self-assured in this culture because it's weird. Like, have you ever said to somebody, they look really nice today, and, and, and they've gone, I know. It doesn't happen, does it? Because if you do say it, it's like, all right, all right, you've got tickets on yourself, haven't you? Um, Like, we don't do it. It's not like an okay thing in this culture. But actually, being self-assured is all right. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe he's hiding his identity. Maybe he's, like, remaining anonymous. Maybe that's what he's doing. And I think there's something in the remaining anonymous sort of thing. It's a recognition, almost, that it's not about himself, isn't it? It's a recognition from John that this isn't about him. He's not telling the story of John. He's telling the story of Jesus. 
And he's saying that he matters, that he's in this story because of Jesus. He's pointing towards Jesus all the way. And it's because of Jesus' love that John is in this story. It's because of Jesus' love that John is there at all. It's Jesus' action. It's not John's. And there's something absolutely wonderful in that. Last week, when we looked at Thomas, we talked about kind of not being defined by that one thing we said or did that one time. We talked about not being defined by what others think of us, but actually just being defined by Jesus and just being defined what Jesus says about us. And that is exactly what John is doing in this one, isn't it? This is what John does. He defines himself only by Jesus. When he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's only allowing Jesus to define him. And actually in leaving him unnamed and not using his own name, what it does is it opens it up so that we can assume that role. We can go, oh, it's not, not John, but the disciple whom Jesus loves, that could be me. That could be me. Wow. And it changes how we read it because we suddenly realize that could be us. We become that disciple. And the invitation there is for us to all know how loved we are. Isn't that great? Like that invitation to know that you are the disciple that Jesus deeply, deeply loves. That first reading that we had was taken from the Last Supper. And I know we're past Easter. Don't worry. It's okay. I know my lectionary. (laughs) I know we're past Easter, but the reading taken from the Last Supper, it's a really important reading when we look at John because it says that he was reclining on the chest or the lap of Jesus. And that's kind of a pretty intimate scene, isn't it? I don't know how close you are with your friends, but I don't often lie on them. Tay's shaking her head. She's not having any of that. (laughs) Not at all. Like, I'm not not touchy-feely anyway. We all know that. But I'm, I'm certainly not lying on, on my friend's laps. It's weird. It is so weird. But they've got that beautiful friendship, haven't they? It's such an intimate friendship. It's so wonderful. And it's more intimate than it sounds. The word used to describe what was happening in that scene is the same as a word that was used in John 1.18, which James is now going to tell us what it is. Jesus came out of the heart of the Father. Whoa, look at that. Solid. He's done it, you know, he's done it. He guessed it. (laughs) Yeah, it describes God the Father's relationships with Jesus. It absolutely does. And it says, no one has seen God, but the only begotten Son who is in the heart of the Father has revealed him. Well done, James. He knows his Bible. That's, That's why he's here. That's why he's here. And so it's because it describes that relationship And it's the same word. So Jesus is in God's heart, just as John is in Jesus' heart. That's quite something. Like, you can't get any closer than that. And that is exactly what their relationship is. John is in Jesus' heart, just as Jesus is in God the Father's heart. And that place is open for you. It's open for you to know how loved you are. To know that you are in the heart of God. To know you're in the heart of Jesus. It wasn't that John was better than anybody else. 
It's just that he knew his place in Jesus' heart. He understood it. And you know what? He could even ask Jesus the questions that nobody else could ask him because of that intimacy they shared. Like in that Last Supper scene, we see Peter kind of nudging John, asking him to ask Jesus for him because he doesn't want to. He's like worried about asking. But John, he's okay with it. He shares that intimacy with Jesus. He shares that relationship. And the nature of their relationship means it's okay to ask those things. And actually, John embraces that intimacy. It's not just Jesus that's embracing that intimacy. It's both of them. And so they embrace that together. And then in that second reading, we had the post-resurrection fishing trip, didn't we? Uh, where they're all out fishing and somebody shouts to put the net on the other side. And then it's John who realises first. He's the one that recognises Jesus. And when he recognises Jesus, Peter goes, oh yeah. <laughs> like Peter trusts John. When John says, it's the Lord, Peter jumps out the boat and goes ashore to him. But like he trusts that John recognises him. Because he's seen their intimacy. He's seen that relationship and he absolutely trusts him. The beloved disciple recognises Jesus and reveals him to others. And so actually when we're in that place of being the beloved disciple, that means that we start to recognise Jesus in others. We recognise Jesus in situations. We see where God is at work in the world and it means we can join in. It's a wonderful thing. When we embrace that intimacy with God, we see where God is working. We see Jesus in the face of people around us. And we start revealing it to them as well. By our words, by our actions, in how we follow Jesus, we reveal it to others. So actually, the invitation today, really, is to be that disciple whom Jesus loves. It's to be that disciple that is in the heart of Jesus. It's to be the one that embraces him as he embraces you. It's to be the one that is assured. To be the one that is fully confident. To be the one that can ask the questions of Jesus that others are too scared to do. And it's the one that recognises Jesus and reveals him to others around. So we're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for how you reveal yourself to us. We thank you that we are in your heart as you are in God's heart. We pray that you would help us to embrace that intimacy with you that you long for. And we pray that as we learn to embrace that, that we would continue to reveal you to the world around us. So Jesus, we thank you for the revelation of who you are. And we pray that we would know this day that we are that disciple that you love. Amen.